0: Hello friends, welcome to episode 977 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on a Wednesday evening into Thursday morning. And today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store now and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Tonight's game between the Hawks and the Knicks was supposed to be a high-profile one on both sides. A battle for the number four seed, at least right now in the Eastern Conference. Um, perhaps the biggest game of the year for the Hawks on paper, at least in the on the short list for that. But then late in the third quarter, things definitely changed, and it became I would say more so about Trey Young's injury issue than it was about the actual game itself. There's plenty to get to with the game. We're going to dive into all of it as we always do. But the top line thought here is obviously the injury to Trey Young, who suffered a left ankle sprain, according to the Hawks. X-rays negative. On that, for Trey, which is a positive sign, but still the MRI looms on Thursday. Hopefully that will go well, but that became the number one story of the evening, which we'll dive into later on. But there you go, and we'll dive into the game itself and talk about Trey even more later on in the podcast. So coming into the the game, obviously, you know, as I said before, lots of stakes here. The Hawks were 9-2 in their last 11 games. They led the Knicks by a half game in the standings. Um, The winner as a result of that would be the number four seed. And the Knicks ended up winning this game um, in overtime. Obviously, this is a pretty memorable, ga- memorable game on its face, even without the trayong injury and the click injury and all that stuff that happened late in the game. Overtime, a memorable shot from Bogdanovich, to force overtime, all that stuff, but a uh, pretty hotly contested the entire way. And that's kind of on brand because coming into this game, both teams were really hot. Both teams on the back-to-back as well. The Knicks were, they had actually won the, the, the previous seven games. The Hawks had been hot as well. Um, And injury-wise, the Hawks were still missing all the guys they were missing before. Gallinari, Snell, Hunter, Reddish, and Dunn, all for a long time. In fact, there was one bit of injury, quote-unquote, news coming into the game. Um, McMillan was asked about Danielle Gallinari for the first time in a while, and he just kind of gave the uh, pretty stock answer about him having soreness in his foot. He has a little bit of swelling, according to McMillan. But he, he, he did say that Gallinari's been doing a little bit more, but he's not just ready to return just yet. That's the only update that I have on Gallinari but sort of to back up to how close this game was supposed to be coming in, our friends at Atlanta, AG made the Hawks a one and a half point favorite, and they actually opened as an underdog, so basically a coin flip all the way across. And the Hawks were winning this game by eight points when Trey Young left it in the third quarter. So we'll dive in now, as we always do. If you're new, if you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. And uh, what we usually do is sort of go through the blow-by-blow blow of what transpired, and then we'll sort of wrap it up at the end with some injuries—not injuries. Not injuries <laughs> I guess that's on my mind right now, takeaways, as well as individual breakdowns, and uh, a look ahead as well. All right, before, we'll start at the top here. Um, early on, the Hawks, it was kind of offense-driven in the early minutes of this game on both sides. The Hawks led 7-3, and the Knicks were hot as well, though. They made their first five threes. It was eleven to eleven in short order. Um, there was a big run by the Hawks, though, coming after the Knicks led nineteen to thirteen in the early going. A seventeen to two run by Atlanta to go up by as many as nine in the first quarter. Um, they were kind of far away from three on their own. Um, there was one very strange play, which by was called for a foul, even though he was he got hit in the, mid, in the midsection and went down kind of in a heap, and he was the one that was called for a foul. There was lots of interesting officiating we'll say, in this game. Um, After a timeout, though, it was Kevin Herter and Trey Young getting loose. Herter had a jump shot, then Young had a three-point play, and Young had a floater as well. Trey was awesome in the first quarter of this game. The Hawks played some zone early on, even with Capella on the court, because they were pretty small on the perimeter with Young, Lou, and Herter, and defense on the perimeter in this game was definitely a question mark throughout. The Hawks, though, led by five at the end of the first quarter. Trey was awesome. As I said, 16 points and five assists in the first quarter. He played the entire period and was really the best player on the floor by a lot in that stretch. The Hawks had one turnover and shot about 59% from the floor in the first quarter. So that was definitely pretty dominant. The Knicks did make six threes to stay afloat, but they also had seven turnovers, and all seven were Hawks steals. And, you know, steals are not something I always talk about a ton on the podcast, but the Hawks had their second most steals in any quarter of this entire season in that first quarter was seven. So that was notable, and that kind of led to some fast break transition offense for Atlanta. The Knicks did kind of wake up a little bit In the second quarter, um, they opened up with a little bit of a run, um, although they actually missed a couple layups in a row. RJ Barrett was pretty bad at times in this game, missed a couple layups there. There was an incredible John Collins finish around the rim, a reminder of how good his touch is, and uh, a couple of those actually, not exactly a friendly whistle for Kongwu and Collins in particular in the first half. Some shots that were made more difficult by lack of calls, and Collins, I would say famously, does not get a lot of calls, and he did not get a lot of calls in this game. Um, the Knicks ended up tying it halfway through the second quarter, and McMillan called timeout. The Hawks were definitely sort of having the edge in the turnover battle, but the Knicks were shooting the ball unsustainably well at times, and really the entire game for the most part. But the Knicks led a little bit late in the second quarter. They scored five straight at one point. The Hawks, though, had a nice little flourish at the end of the quarter, and end of the half, I should say, with Kevin Herter scoring the final seven points in about a minute um, to put the Hawks up by 2 after after they were down by as many as 4 in the latter stages of the first half. Herter had 16 at the half, including a 3 and a dunk in that late barrage. Trey had 18 and 10, a double-double before halftime. He was fantastic. Capella had 12 and 8, and the Hawks played very well offensively in this first half. Um, they scored about 1.3 points for possession and had 17 assists and only 4 turnovers, which is an awesome ratio for any team. They shot it well and just played very well. The Knicks, though, made 10 threes. That was the story of this game was the Knicks three-point shooting, honestly. Uh, if you remove the injury stuff and Julius Randle being great, um, the other big like on-court story was New York's three-point shooting and they made 10 threes in the first half. They turned it over a lot, kind of let the uh, Hawks, you know, sort of still obviously lead this game at the break, but Julius Randle was really good throughout, and that was the story of that first half. All right, before we get to the second half, and much, much more, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone who is not an elite athlete like me, you're just trying to make it through the day with tension-free activities, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Amy Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun has also been awesome for me, uh, trying to relieve some tension from hovering over the the computer all day long and being stiff and all of that. It's been a godsend through that prism, and honestly, you should use it because I use it, and uh, you absolutely should, too, to be relaxed, to help you feel better. Theragun is also trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers, in addition to me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, so the third quarter of this game started out actually very well for Atlanta. Uh, and then at the end, it was uh, not it's not quite as good. But an 11-4 run at the open for the Hawks to go up by as many as 9 uh, Julius Randle, who was awesome, as I said before, in the first half or really the entire game, had three fouls in the first two minutes of the second half, just kind of inexplicably fouling a couple times, had three-point plays from Capella and Collins. Trae Young had 13 assists with eight minutes left in the third quarter, just kind of, I would say, kind of dominating, getting wherever he wanted to on offense pretty much throughout while he was playing in this spot. And Barrett, who I referenced earlier, was pretty bad. He was one of 11 at one point, actually made back-to-back shots that have cut the lead down to four, forced a timeout, but... Um, it was still pretty much all Hawks at times in the third. Capella got actually caught. No Noel with an inadvertent elbow. Noel came back in, but he actually had to leave for a little while, and they were already without Taj Gibson and Mitchell Robinson, so they had to go to Norville Pell, who, by the way, Norville Pell signed a contract like 10 minutes after this game ended. It was announced, or at least reported, by Woj, which is uh, interesting because they definitely had to use him in this spot. But the Hawks led by 10 with 4-10 to go in the third quarter, and the Knicks called a timeout. Then... With 113 remaining, the Hawks were leading by eight points. It was 95 87, and Trey Young goes down. I'm sure you've seen the replay by now, but Young lands awkwardly on his left foot slash ankle. The Hawks said it was a left ankle sprain. That's a pretty general um, announcement in terms of what it actually is. Not a lot of take from that. People were trying to sort of read into that as to what it would be. That's kind of what you normally would see from that kind of uh, as long as you know, it, it being the ankle is relevant for sure, but beyond that, Left ankle sprain could just mean about anything. Um, the x-rays were negative. That's a positive, so it was not a break. But the MRI is really the big thing. And that's going to be happening on Thursday, so circle that for sure. And again, as I said before, this is the big story of the night. Obviously, this is a big game for Atlanta, but nothing is as big as Trey Young's status. If he were to miss extended time, the Hawks would be in some trouble. Um, that goes without saying. I know the Hawks actually are 3-2 and two without Trey this year, but big picture... It is tough for them, especially right now with all their other injuries, to withstand any kind of Trey Young absence, and um, that goes without saying. And obviously, there's our best our best wishes to him overall. You want the guy to be healthy. You want anybody to be healthy, but he's the face of the franchise, all that stuff. So, um, hopefully, that will be positive news in the next day or two, and we'll have much more on that when it comes. But that was uh, certainly the top leading story from that point on, even as the game was pretty dramatic from there. So, as I said, the Hawks were up by eight. When Trey left, they were up by 7 at the end of the third quarter and in a pretty good spot. They had to go to Goodwin for a larger role with Young out of the game, and they led by 8 again early in the fourth, but the Knicks kind of kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. Um, back-to-back 3 from Emmanuel quickly to cut the lead down to 2, and then Goodwin misses, and Rose ties it at 109-109. to um, Then Collins misses the 3, Randall gets to the line and gives the Knicks the lead with about 6 minutes to go. Then another injury issue for the Hawks. And it was, that's the moment where it's like the, the, kind of this, <laughs> the sky is falling moment because Clint Capella goes down at the 531 mark of the fourth quarter. He landed very hard on his back slash maybe tailbone. He ended up staying in the game, despite being down for a long time, and he was clearly in pain and not 100% healthy. Um, he stayed in to take free throws. I thought he might be coming out after that, but he stayed in the entire rest of the way, played the entire overtime period. Kind of a pretty impressive, you know, tough guy performance from Capella to stay in the game. McMillan said after the game that he is definitely sore and was limping around at the end of the game. That's to be expected. I'd be pretty surprised if Capella was just like 100% after that. Uh, he definitely went down big time. You know, tailbone could be tricky. I have no idea what that injury is going to be. And the Hawks, because he he actually didn't come out of the game, there's no official distinction on that right now. But something to circle. And again, it's pretty admirable that he played the rest of the way because he was not 100% down the stretch. The Hawks then fouled Randall on a rebound. Some of the Hawks were down down four after being up by eight. In fact, the Hawks didn't score for four minutes and it was a 15-0 run by the Knicks to go from Hawks up eight to Hawks down seven in a four-minute span. So that's where the game was lost. Even with the Hawks coming back and forcing overtime, um, Atlanta was in control, and then they suddenly weren't right after Trey went out and Capella got banged up. So that tells the story a little bit of this game. The Hawks did score four in a row from there to get back to three, back and forth, back and forth. Collins then ties it with a three on the right wing with two minutes to go. That was a nine-to-two run by the Hawks to tie the game, and that was impressive, on itself on its own from there like all kinds of backs and back and forth back and forth stuff um they got to stop finally on randall and got the ball back with with 28 20 seconds to go down by two goodwin gets fouled on the rebound goes to the line and misses the first one makes the second one the hawks are now down one with 28 seconds to go and interestingly enough mcmillan does not foul here which is not you don't have to foul i personally would have fouled there but it's a four-second differential. It's just enough time when you have a timeout, as the Hawks did, to not foul. Um, it's defensible not to foul. I think that I would have fouled. But anyway, um, they ended up giving up giving up an easy bucket to Ju- to Julius Randall with eight point four to go, which actually worked out reasonably well because that left the Hawks plenty of time. Uh, they didn't actually didn't end up needing it because um, out of that. Inbounds play on the left side, um, Kevin Herter finds Bogdanovich, who did a great job moving off the ball on in the inbounds, and a great screen as well by Capella, who kind of changed his screen path when Bogdanovich got cut off on his initial cut. Anyway, a catch-and-shoot, a great a great design-slash-execution. He buries it to tie the game, but they actually left the Knicks 6 seconds to go. So you get the ball with 8.4, and uh, the shot only takes 2 seconds because it was such a great uh, execution and shot. Um, so it's, now it's tied, though you're in, you're in good shape. But the Knicks had the last laugh, at least the last at least the chance of the last laugh at the end of, at the end of the fourth quarter. But Randall took too long to even get a shot off. Solomon Hill with some great defense, he actually came in defensively as a replacement for John Collins, and then uh, they waited too long, forces overtime. And because the Hawks were down by seven with under four to go, it was I would say again pretty impressive they were able to tie this game and force overtime. Now, overtime did not go well, as you will know by the final score, losing by 10 points. And it was all pretty much all done in the first two and a half minutes or so. Um, there was some controversy until after the game. I guessed this on Twitter and ended up being right that Collins, who did not play at all in the overtime period, was on a minutes restriction. And McMillan confirmed that after the game. There was a thought that maybe they were not going to him as a defense because they obviously liked Solomon Hill a little bit better on defense against Randall, and that's probably I would say that that's with good reason. I think Hill is a better defensive option at least in this game. Collins could not, for whatever reason, couldn't do anything to slow down Randall, and Randall had it, had it going in a big way. It was not like I can on Collins, but. He didn't play at all in the overtime. I was I was at uh, least strongly suspecting that it, it was limited to his uh, injury stuff coming back from the ankle. That ended up being the case, so circle that. Um, but they ended up going with good Goodwin at the point to start the start the overtime period over Lou Williams, and then they went to Lou after that, after they fell behind. But the Knicks scored the first eight points of overtime in the I would say about 140 or so. That that prompted a timeout. Um, they came out of that, and then they missed a pretty good a pretty good three point look from from Bogdanovic. Then next, got a dunk. So the first ten points overall of overtime to one thirty two, one twenty two, and basically the game's over at that point. The Hawks did make one kind of threat. on Bodonovich made a three with about one thirty to go to cut it to five. But then they gave up a, a bucket to Barrett, offensive foul, and then quickly three to put the game away. So. Obviously, a lot to dive into there, and we'll get into more of it momentarily. But, you know, sort of top line again, the Hawks up eight when Trey leaves. Um, still up seven at, at the end of the third quarter. Um, still, but then they had to come back. It was, you know, lots of runs in the second half. And then the overtime period was one final one that went New York's way. Before we get to some broad takeaways, some analysis, some individual breakdowns, all that stuff, a word from our sponsors. And the first one is betonline.ag. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football is not happening right now, and I understand that's a lot of people's favorite thing to bet on in the sports world, but there are plenty of other options, including the NBA, of course. You have the NHL, auto racing, golf, tennis, MMA, college sports, everything you can imagine. You can find it at BetOnline.ag. And BetOnline even covers awards, entertainment bets, TV shows, and reality TV online also has real-time updated odds and all kinds of props on almost anything you can imagine. Props are really fun to get into the sports betting world if you've not tried it before. And on top of that, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and the odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website now at BetOnline.ag or use mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code ON. That is 50% and a welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also sponsored by RockAuto.com. One key reason to repair and maintain your own car is to save money. You can use for other important things like paying the mortgage or paying for food or whatever else you want to use it for. And honestly, why would you want to pay more money for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you instead can use RockAuto.com? RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need, from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver. Get everything you need, just a few easy clicks, delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always low, and they're always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, your truck. When you get there, you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. The basic selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, and we'll dive in now to some takeaways from the game itself. Obviously, you know, 15-5 in the overtime period. I almost want to throw it out, you know, without Trey Young with Capella pretty visibly banged up, with Collins apparently unavailable as well in overtime. They're pretty short-handed, and that could, that could just happen. New York's pretty good. Um I'm not going to tell you that the Knicks are better than the Hawks. I think they're probably not. Um, at the same time, that current available version of the Hawks without Trey and without John is not as good as the Knicks, and you're on the road. So that's what's going to happen at the end of the game. Um broadly speaking, in the game, though, um, you know, the young injury dictates a lot, and that kind of is when the game flipped. But in terms of just overall performance-wise, I think the biggest... Um, non-injury thing that swung this game was the Knicks three-point shooting. So the Knicks were, th- were 19 of 35 from three. They had 10 in the first half, nine after halftime. And the Knicks are capable of making some shots, but they shot the heck out of the ball in this game. Randall, six for eight. Bullock, six for 11. And Bullock is really good as a shooter, but still, six for 11 is pretty crazy for anybody. And then quickly was four of six. Um, Barrett was two of eight, but he was the only guy that did it, kind of struggled. So 19 of 35. I mean, you, there, there's some noise in there, of course. But that is where the game was basically swinging. Because if you look at the rebounding battle, it was pretty much dead even, and the Knicks had seven more turnovers than the Hawks did. So it ended up with the Hawks taking 11 more shots in this game than the Knicks did, and they were pretty much dead even on free throws. So if one team takes 11 more shots than the other team, and the same amount of free throws, and, you know, it went to overtime, but ended up losing by 10, but um, still, a game goes to overtime... It's because one team shot the ball better than the other team. And that's what happened here. The Knicks had about a 67% true shooting mark, which is uh, uber elite. And because the Knicks are not the best offensive team in the world, um, New York is, I would say, average or maybe even a little bit below average offensively um, overall. And the Knicks are really known for the defense. They're actually, they came into this game number three in the league in defensive rating. And with Thibodeau and the way they scheme things up, that actually makes a lot of sense. But this is an offensive win for the Knicks. And, you know, some of that's defense for sure. I think, you know, at, at the moment, the way the Hawks are constructed without all of these guys that are injured, especially Hunter, Snell, Reddish, um, their worst part of their rotation right now is probably their perimeter defense. Other than just overall death because of all the injuries, perimeter defense is not their strength right now. And that kind of played in this game. At the same time, the Knicks were unsustainably hot. You know, Randall is really good and he's having an all-star season, but he has 40 points on 21 shots. Uh, got the line a lot as well, but shot the heck out of the ball. And that's going to happen. But that was probably the swing spot in this game overall. Uh, I think defensively, the Hawks were better than their numbers would indicate. Um, the Knicks ended up scoring about 1. 2.6 points per possession, which is off the charts good. Were the Hawks good on defense in this game? I would say no. Were they as bad as, these, as this looks? I would say no. So there's some noise in there, pretty obviously. Um, offensively, The Hawks scored plenty. They scored 1.17 points per possession, and it was even higher than that before the overtime period, even higher than that when they had Trey Young. So there was no real concern offensively when they actually had all of their guys. Um, Five guys in double figures. No, sorry, six, six, six guys in double figures. All five started with 17 points or more. So balanced, effective offense. The Hawks just shot okay from three. They were 12 of 34. And again, that was the difference because the Knicks took one more three and made seven more threes. That's how this game swings. Um... But the Hawks weren't like incredible from two point range either. They were thirty seven of sixty eight, so not like terrible, but not particularly good by Hawks standards. They also missed seven free throws. Capella was one of five. That's a big one. um But you know, this is not a, not an offensive loss by any means. Were the Hawks perfect on offense? No. But it was more about not being able to get stops than it was not being able to score, in my humble opinion. Um, other than that, we'll dive into the individual stuff here. Uh. And the bench, it was pretty much an eight-man rotation in the second half. Um, Okongwu played three minutes after halftime, and that includes the overtime period. So, as I've alluded to the last couple of podcasts, with John Collins back and a guy who could really play back up center, you're going to see Okongwu marginalized a little bit in the rotation. he would probably still play in the first half. He'll play one stint or two in the second half, and that's going to be it. That happened in this game. Con was fine. He had four points. He had, had a rebound, a good verticality play at one point, had a block. Um, I thought he played fine. Um... But, you know, eight minutes, two for two, four points. uh, Kind of a small part of the team in this spot. And then Knight, Fernando, and Mays did not play at all. Um, Goodwin played 19 minutes, probably a little bit more than you would expect because of the Trey injury. But the Hawks were minus 19 when he played. That's not on him, but he wasn't particularly great. He did make two threes, um, seven points. uh, No assists, though, one rebound. And, uh, you know, defensively, he's still the best point guard defender on the current available roster. So they kind of needed him at times, especially when they were trying to double Randall. Um, in the high-profile situations at the end of the game, but um, he was, so, it was sort of a mixed bag. I thought, I thought he was probably just fine, but nothing spectacular from Coben. Um Lou Williams, kind of a quiet night, 11 points, 4 assists, 3 of 10 from the floor, though, and defensively, it was kind of an adventure for Lou. Got to the line five times, though, had some uh, success drawing some fouls, as he's often going to do, and he was, like, you know, middling efficiency, uh, better because of the free throws, but he was just fine, minus 9, wasn't a huge factor, I don't think. And then they actually, again, started with Goodwin in the the overtime period, which I think is defensible. Lose a better player, but, you know, matchup-wise, I understood why they were doing that. Uh, Solomon Hill, five points, one rebound, one assist, one steal, a quiet one overall for Hill. Um, Nothing, you know, out of the ordinary there. Had the good good defensive play on Randall at the very end of the game, but nobody else, nobody nobody could stop Randall the entire game, so not going to pick on Solomon for that. And then the five starters. So, um, obviously, there was some mixed bag stuff in there. Um, but I think generally guys played pretty well as a starting lineup. Um, we'll go to Bogdanovich first. He had 20 points, six rebounds, four assists, three steals. And the, uh, the biggest shot of the game for Atlanta to tie it at the end of regulation didn't end up mattering, but it was obviously a big shot. Um, he's cooling off a little bit. Only 8 of 19 from the floor, but still 4 of 10 from 3. Like, he still shooting the ball pretty well, just not as scalding hot as he was a couple of uh, even days or a week ago, but still playing well. 20, 20 points speaks for itself, and that's uh, sort of a well-rounded game as well. Herter was very good in the first half and very quiet in the second half. He had 17 points overall. I believe 16 of those in the first half. So obviously, one point after halftime is not what you want. Led the team in minutes. Just wasn't a huge part of like the usage. Missed a couple of couple of could uh, could have been swing shots in the, in the fourth quarter. But other than that, like I thought he was he played fine. He didn't shoot it great. He was only two of eight from three. But uh, you know, sort of a tail two halves for Kevin in this game. Uh, John Collins, 28 minutes, uh, by far the lowest of the starters, even less than Trey, who got hurt in the third quarter because of the minutes restriction for Collins. 18 points, though, was efficient. Uh, Didn't get a lot of calls, but still had 18 points on 12 shooting possessions, which is, you know, very, very good efficiency. Uh, Three rebounds is probably not what you want necessarily, but other than that, he had trouble with Randall for sure, but everyone did, so I don't want to pick on John either. Um, There was nobody stopping Randall in this game. And then the... uh, the two guys who got, who got banged up. Uh, we'll, we'll go to Trey now. Twenty points, fourteen assists, and four steals in only thirty minutes for Young. He did miss his last, I believe, eight shots in a row after starting out very, very hot and then the injury. So um, obviously, nothing else matters other than the injury here. I don't want to like I don't want to repeat myself too too much, but it's. The biggest thing by a lot and uh we have to just kind of hold our breath at this point in time if you're a hawks fan i'm sure you were doing that as soon as you went down and that will continue until the mri and beyond so we'll see the hawks don't play again until friday so uh, actually thursday is scheduled off day for the hawks so they may not even announce anything we'll see what happens there um but just uh hold on tight and then finally capella who has been so ridiculously good for a while in fact uh, the hawks lost this game by 10 he was plus two Uh, Travis plus 13, by the way, which is, I I think speaks for itself, but Capella plus two played the entire game and you know, was just great 25 and 22 rebounds for Capella in the last five games, Clint has 99 points and 102 rebounds. So basically averaging 2020 in the last five, that is just crazy. Uh, He talked after the game about being really sore on his back. That is not a surprise quite obviously but uh that's kind of a wait and see they, they have to fly back for one thing um that's not ideal for someone with a back tailbone injury um but the fact that he's again credit to him for staying in the game that can't be overstated the fact that he was able to play through that and be at least reasonably affected down the stretch was a credit to capella um last thing by the way on the Trey thing uh, as i'm recording this now i'm seeing this to kind of feed in um Trey did tweet after the game that uh, I'm going to quote him now, God have my back on this one, be back soon, end quote. So obviously the MRI has not happened yet, but you know it seems like, according to what Capella said and also what Trey tweeted, that it's not, at least Trey does not think it's as bad as he thought it might have been. Um, if you watched the game live or even heard the replay, you could hear Trey like in serious pain. So if he's saying that after the game, that's probably a good sign. I'm going to overstate it either. The MRI is going to tell the story, but um, that's maybe a small win for Atlanta. At any rate, um, a quick check at the standings now at the end of this podcast with the loss, the Hawks are now, um, sliding to fifth by a half game behind the Knicks, but they're still a half game ahead of the Celtics and one and a half over the heat because the heat won tonight on the road in San Antonio and, um, the Hawks play the heat on Friday at home. Um, I would be absolutely shocked if Trey played in that game. Uh, maybe, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I would be shocked if he was back on Friday. Um, and then Capella, obviously, a big question mark too. So that's one. It it will feel like a. It would have felt like a bigger game if Trey was available. Maybe he still will be. I have no idea. But Miami comes to town and Miami won tonight. And obviously, Miami's been seen as a threat um, for a while now. But they're playing at least reasonably better basketball, and they're only only game and a half back of the Hawks at this moment in time. So that's one a circle as well. And then the Hawks play again on Sunday at home. So we'll have plenty more to get into. If we get big news on Thursday, maybe I'll break in with an emergency podcast. More likely, though, I will hold off until after the game on Friday for the next podcast. I would recommend following me on Twitter. If you want to get the latest, I will tweet it out as fast as humanly possible about any Trey updates or Clint updates at BT Rowland. that is B-T-R-O-W-L-A-N-D on Twitter. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Hawks please subscribe, please follow the podcast, rate, review, tell a friend, and hopefully this is at least a coherent show on some level. It was a long night at the office for both the Hawks and me trying to figure out what was going on and writing all kinds of different angles and all that stuff. So hopefully I covered it all here. If you have questions, I'm also willing to answer those on, on the Twitter machine, so fire them away. Thank you as always for listening to the podcast, and we'll see you at the very latest after the game on Friday.